So I've titled my, my conversation, our topic for today, Legacy Parents. If you have your app open, uh, grab it. There's going to be some uh, app notes there for you. And we're going to look at today three legacy truths that Jesus is going to tell us about God the Father, God the Father as a parent. And these legacy truths are truths that you and I uh, can practice in our own life. So see if you can identify them as we start reading here. In Let me just start at verse 1, Luke 15, verse 1, and then we'll jump to the end of the chapter. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners came, often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with sinful people, even eating with them. And so Jesus told them this story. Okay, now skip down to verse 11. He tells a story. He says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. Let's stop there for a second. Here in verse 2, here's the context. Here in verse 2, Jesus is being criticized, right, by the religious elite for fraternizing with those who are outside the church. We're told here in verse 1 how tax collectors and, and other notorious sinners often came to, you know, listen to Jesus teach, reinforcing this truth as we talked about last week, that God is intimately interested in our lives. We're told here that just because a person, basically in verse 1, just because a person may not have a weekly church attendance as part of their regular life rhythm does not mean that they're anti-God or anti-spiritual things. In fact, with a show of hands, how many of you have ever missed a Palm Harvest Church Sunday service? Okay, looks like most of us have. Does that mean that you hate God, yes or no? No. Again, how many of you missed a service or two? Now turn to your neighbor and say, if they're raising the hands, you can do better. No. That's a joke, everybody. I was gone two weeks ago. You can do better, right? Okay. Brothers and sisters, even when we miss Sunday morning or a weekly gathering, worship gathering, does not mean that we hate God. Does not mean that we're interested in God, right? You would, you would agree with that. So back to our story. So Jesus is being criticized for hanging out with these people who maybe not have church as a part of their regular rhythm, but they still, they're still interested in God. And so he tells a story. He tells us a story about a father who has two sons, one of whom who asks his dad for his inheritance of the family estate. Now, in many ways, this father could have been offended by his son's request. Because in that culture, as many of you know, to ask for one's inheritance while your parents are still alive was basically saying, mom or dad, I wish you were what? Dead. I wish you were dead. Right? So such a request for this inheritance is a huge insult. But rather than reject his son's request, how does the father respond? What does he do? Well, verse 12 tells us that he agrees, doesn't he? 
We're told that the dad decides, he agrees to divide his wealth between his two boys, his older son and his younger son, and herein lies the first legacy parenting truth. So write this down, point number one in your app notes. Legacy parents facilitate opportunity. Legacy parents facilitate opportunity. I don't know what it was that motivated this son to make his estate request. I might argue that this son's big ask was in part due to how his parents raised him, to how his dad had raised him. You know, I suspect that both his dad, there's no mention of mom here, but we'll just throw mom in the mix. I suspect that his parents, both mom and dad, had likely raised this boy to have this mentality not to settle, to not be complacent. In fact, I'm proposing that this son's request was birthed from having been raised in a family culture, a family home where entrepreneurial business decisions were encouraged. If you read on in the story, you'll read how this dad's, this boy's dad employed men to help manage the family livestock of sheep and cattle. You know, certainly this young son had seen his dad, probably watched his dad model a good work ethic. I suspect that while out working the fields with his dad and brother, or even around the dinner table, that there were probably decisions about business that were taking place on the family estate. You know, for me personally, uh, growing up as a kid, I spent a lot of my time working on the family farm. My dad came from a, a huge... My grandfather was a farmer, and a lot of my uncles and aunts were farmers. On the, so I've milked cows. I've, I've been... Anyways, I've spent a lot of time on the family farm. And it wasn't uncommon for us when we would gather at the end of the day to sit around the, the dinner table and talk about what was going on, like the latest calf that broke through, what section of the fence that had to be fixed. Are you with me? We talked about the price of sheep and hay and hogs around that dinner table. And so when the son asks his dad for this inheritance, I think on one hand, though this son's request was a bit offensive, I think on the other hand, it probably, it's not out of the question that this dad probably felt a little bit of family pride knowing that, hey, wow, my boy is growing up. Right? All these dinner table conversations about hogs and hay, you know, and, and animals and stuff and business decisions. Are we going to buy this land or what are we going to do with this crop? It's, it's, it's hitting pay dirt here. My boy is, is taking it to heart. Are you with me? His son was illustrating an eagerness to venture out and make a name for himself. And so without reserve, we're told here, Jesus tells us that this dad acquiesces to this son's request. And that's what legacy parents do, brothers and sisters. They facilitate and sponsor opportunity for their kids. Did you know that God does the same thing with you and me? You know, when we read the Bible from the very beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 2, we can read how God gave Adam, God's first creator, right, creation, the man, he gave him the responsibility to do what? You remember? To name, to name things, to name the animals, the birds, 
the livestock. I particularly like Adam's choice of hippopotamus and orangutan. I think those are pretty cool, cool names. But basically what we see from the very get-go of creation is how God our Heavenly Father really facilitates opportunity. God our Heavenly Father is a legacy parent because he's facilitating opportunity. If we read earlier in Jesus' ministry, in fact, earlier in this, in this Gospel of Luke, we looked at chapter 9 and chapter 10, you can see where Jesus entrusts and basically empowers or delegates his supernatural authority to his disciples. Remember that? Where he, he sends them out to heal and to teach and to deliver people from, from demons? Illustrating how God entrusts his kingdom stuff to his kids. That's what Legacy parents do. They facilitate opportunity. So parents, evaluate yourself. Are you exposing your kids to new learning experiences? You know, not too long ago, here at Palm Harvest, we financially sponsored Joseph and Dorian Gudino, who are here today, to go to Mexico. Remember that last year where we helped send them to camp in Mexico? And while in Mexico, besides going to camp, Joseph and Dorian also had a chance to spend some time with their uncle and their grandpa who took them to a professional soccer game. Well, do you know that because of that soccer experience that Dorian came home from Mexico now and he wants to play soccer and he's playing soccer? Brothers and sisters, our investment in Joseph and Dorian in part seeded this growing opportunity in Mexico to the fact that now Joseph is out on the soccer field, or Dorian kicking a soccer ball. When you give your money to Palm Harvest Church and we use it to invest in young people like Joseph and Dorian, you know, when you give your tithes and your offerings and we use it to fund and expose our youth to growing experiences, cross-cultural experiences, we're practicing what Jesus is, is emphasizing the Father is doing here. We're exposing our youth to learning experiences. Let me hear you say out loud, right on. Right on, Paul Morris, right on. Good on you. Thank you for investing your kingdom resources in, 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 at Palm Harvest Church and investing basically larger than that in God's kingdom because together we are practicing what we see here, the Father practicing. He is empowering opportunity. That's what legacy parents do. That's what legacy churches do. So look again at verse 13. Luke 15 verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. So, not so good. So his dad's given this money, and now he's, he's wasting it, we're told, in wild living. Not really a good business decision. Verse 14. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept across the land, and he began to starve. Okay, things are not going so good for this young man, right? Verse 15. So he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. So, ah, this is good. So what quality do we see here in this young man in verse 15? Point number two, write this down. 
Legacy parents seed responsibility. Legacy parents seed responsibility. You know, I love in this story how this young son ventures out. I, I, I love how he, he goes out, his desires to, to explore God's world. And Jesus makes this point here that rather than invest and build this wealth this, that this son receives from his dad, instead he makes the poor decision by wasting his inheritance on wild living. But don't miss this. All is not lost on this young son because we read here in verse 15 that this boy... In the midst of a famine, he becomes entrepreneurial, doesn't he? I mean, the, the one time in the, the in economy that you're not hiring people is when things are really rough economically. And yet somehow this boy figures out a way to coerce somebody to hire him in the middle of a great famine. He's in trouble. And rather than wait for someone to rescue him, rather than to adopt this socialistic welfare mentality, instead this young boy, now a bit wiser, creates an opportunity for himself by persuading someone to give him a job during a severe famine. Friends, I'm suggesting that his persuading activity is a product of his upbringing. I propose to you that this young boy had seeded within his DNA while he was growing up as a kid that into his wiring. And how do we know that? Because if you read on in the story, which we are going to, we're going to read how the older brother is out in the field doing what? He's working. And what that reinforces for us is this truth that these two young boys were raised in a household where you rolled up your sleeves and you got things done. Legacy parents, they sponsor opportunity, but they also seed responsibility. Now personalize this. Parents, do you give your children responsibility? Do the people who live under your roof have family chores that they are responsible for? You know, I've likely shared this with you before that when I grew up as a child, by the time I was 10 years old, I had three lawns that I was responsible to mow while we lived, when we lived in Kansas. One lawn was my own family's grass lawn. Uh, that was a lawn that I had to do for free. For the privilege of living under the home and the roof of my mom and, and my dad. But my folks also allowed me to have the responsibility to use the family lawnmower to do a little side business, which I did by mowing two other neighbors' lawns, which they each paid me $3 a lawn to mow, which in today's economy is like 35 bucks. So six bucks a week I earned mowing wants. After six, the six dollars was earned, my parents taught me to give 10%. 60% to my local church. Give 10% to the church, give 10%, put that in savings, and then the 80% I could use and spend however I wanted. When I was 14 and through my high school, uh, up through my high school years, I played football, basketball, Baseball and tennis. I was a four-sport uh, athlete in high school. 
And my parents, they paid for all of my sporting expenses. You see, legacy parents facilitate opportunity. But during those high high school years, I also had a paper route that I was responsible for. And that paper route paid me $25 a week. 10% of 25 is how much? $2.50, which I gave where? To my local church. 10% went to my church, 10% went into savings, and then 10% was to be used however I wanted it. And during those early childhood years, my parents, what they taught me in addition to seeding responsibility, is they taught me how to put the priority of putting God first. And so would any of you be surprised if I told you that Robin and I still to this day, that that financial habit is one that we practice? 10% goes to God. 10% is invested in our retirement desires. And the other 80% we live on and we can use however we want. And we can publicly declare that God is blessing us overwhelmingly. I suspect for that, for most of you, when you review your upbringing, you too can probably point to spiritual habits that your parents taught you, and you can probably think of of regular rhythms that you're involved in right now because of your parents' spiritual guidance and training. But I want you to evaluate yourself, even as I evaluate myself as we have this conversation, as parents, are you seeding and instilling into your children and into your grandchildren financial stewardship? Are you modeling that for them? Legacy parents seed responsibility. Okay, so let's finish out our story. Look at verse 15. So about that time, verse 14, verse 15 here. He persuades a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one would give him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and killed the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, The older son was in the fields working when he returned home and he heard music and dancing in the house. 
And he asked one of the servants what was going on. He said, well, your brother's back. He was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, Dad, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And even in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, though, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost. But now he is found. Now write this down, point number three in your app notes. Legacy parents celebrate positive, changed behavior. Legacy parents celebrate positive, changed behavior. In his story, Jesus wants his criticizers to know that God, our Heavenly Father, celebrates positive change behavior. You know, here in Jesus' story, Jesus emphasizes how this dad doesn't berate his son, he doesn't turn his back on his boy. He doesn't push him away after he comes home desolate and humbled. No, rather, what do we read? Jesus describes how this dad runs to his boy. He throws his arms around him. He lovingly kisses him. The dad instructs his servants to dress his boy with the finest robe and put a ring on his finger, finger signifying what? And now his boy is restored to a place of making decisions regarding the family business. By placing shoes on his feet, the dad communicates the message that this boy is not a servant. And by throwing a party, this dad makes it clear how he delighted he feels that his lost son is no longer lost. And that his son's decision to repent and come home demonstratively illustrates how his boy is taking ownership for his actions. Which in the dad's mind is something to be celebrated. Which reinforces his truth that legacy parents celebrate positive change behavior. Friends, God, our Heavenly Father, is the ultimate legacy parent. Jesus wants his critics to know. He wants you and me to know that God, our Heavenly Creator, celebrates when we learn from our mistakes. God the Father loves it when we grow from our experiences. You know, because you and I can both attest that not every decision we make is a fruitful one. Would you agree with that? Not every choice that we choose is pain-free. Which is why God our Heavenly Father celebrates growth 
and maturity because all legacy parents do. You know, I don't have to remind you that there are always consequences to the life decisions that we make. Some consequences are good and some consequences are not so good. But Jesus wants you and me to know that God, our Heavenly Father, encourages us to learn from our mistakes, mistakes and come home. To repent and come home. Come back to God. So personalize this story. In this story, who do you identify most with? Maybe some of you identify with the son who has strayed away. Maybe some of you know what it's like to hit rock bottom. Maybe some of you are struggling right now and you're in a place where you say, you know, do I really want to go back? Does God, will God really welcome me back? My, if that's you, I would say, don't stay where you're at. Come back. Come back to God. He welcomes you with open arms. Friends, in this story, Jesus wants you to know, he wants me to know that God, our Heavenly Father, welcomes home repentant sinners. Somebody say amen to that. That's good news. Right on. You know, maybe for others of you, maybe the person who you identify with is the dad. Maybe you have a son or a daughter or a friend who has disappointed you. Maybe they've hurt you. Maybe there's a season in your life, some of you are in the season right now, where there's this relational disconnect. Where you're separated. If that loved one chose to repent and come home, would you welcome them? Will you love and forgive them? Or perhaps some of you identify with the older son. You played by the rules. And so you'll admit that you have a hard time offering grace and generosity to those who have gone astray. And if you're completely honest with yourself, you, you, maybe you'll admit that you just want to kind of stay bitter. You know, in Jesus' story, you know who the older son is, don't you? It's the Pharisees. It's the people who have their life all together. It's the spiritual ones. It's you and me. It's those of us in the church who have forgotten that we were once lost. Who have forgotten that we once were sinners too. Right, two, we forgot that. We're still sinners. Friends, Jesus wants you to know and he wants me to know that God, our Heavenly Father, welcomes repentant sinners. And so he invites us to do the same. Is that a message some of you need to hear today? Is that always easy to do? To forgive those who have hurt us or walked away, yes or no? No, it's not easy. But with God's help, it's possible. 
So in closing, I have two legacy questions I encourage you to ponder. They're at the bottom of your app notes. Question number one is, who is God inviting you to empower with your support? When you file through the names of people and the faces of the individuals in your life, who might God be inviting you to empower with your support? As parents, start in your own home with your kids. And the second question is, who is God inviting you to give a second chance to? Who is God inviting you to give a second chance to? So let's say a couple of prayers, okay? So put everything down for a minute. Just open the palms of your hand open. Just in a place of receptivity. Maybe take a deep breath in. Just hold it. Just relax. Exhale. The first prayer I'm going to call a prayer of return, okay? You can pray both prayers or you can just pray as you feel so led. But for those of you who maybe feel like you've gone astray, for those of you who maybe who are either here today or tuning in online and you feel like you've wandered away, I invite you to just pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus, I've gone astray. And I'm not really sure how to return home. So will you help me? Will you guide me? Jesus, please forgive my sins and forgive my wrong choices. And please help me to get back on my feet again because I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. Second prayer we're going to pray is a prayer, kind of a prayer of forgiveness. And I just pray this, say, Jesus, so-and-so has hurt me. And you put, you fill in the blank with somebody, the name. Say, Jesus, so-and-so has hurt me. So-and-so has disappointed me. And so I ask that you would protect them right now from the devil. And I ask that you would help me forgive them for what they have done. Jesus, please help me to be a cheerleader in their life. Jesus, brothers and sisters, tells a story to emphasize this truth that God welcomes home sinners. He welcomes home you. He welcomes home me. Hopefully when we come into a place like this, we leave here with a bit of a spiritual reset. And Jesus challenges his listeners, his pharisaical critics, to offer the same to those outside the church. So brothers and sisters, as you engage with people this week in various forms, whether as a parent or as an uncle or as a grandparent or as a coach or a mentor or just a best friend, be a legacy person. Sponsor opportunity, right? Facilitate it. Seed responsibility. And then cheer on. 
cheer on the right decisions of those when they come home back, back home. I bless you, my brothers and sisters, in the name of God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen and amen. Let's stand.